Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we have Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? Hello. Thanks for that. Welcome back. I think I heard you from up here, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't need the microphone. <laughs> you haven't been on for a couple of weeks, Coops. How have you been? You been busy? No. Work. Other people steal an opportunity to come on the podcast. Damn them, people. No, you weren't available for Mark. That's <laughs> well, your own yeah. Your normal job got in the way. Yeah, you booked, you booked an interview last week at, like, what was it, two in the afternoon or something? So... Three, but yeah, slap bang in the middle of my shift, but yeah, fine. Uh, I done a, uh, I've entered a half marathon to try and get my running back in. Done Ooh. that today, so I've done running before, but then COVID kind of stopped my training and could struggle to get back into it. So I'm hoping this is the impetus to get me back out and Very do the good. running, which I'm going to regret it when I'm running in the middle of the rain because I'm up in Scotland and it's cold. I'll probably be sweating at myself when I do that, but you know. Pretty standard though, isn't it? You know, but it's, it's you know, I, I'm not a runner myself, so I, I don't envy you at all. But I am starting my diet tomorrow, and I'm starting. I'm also going to do a hundred push-ups a day, push-ups a day for the whole of February, which I've signed up to this charity shelter thing. And on the run-up wow. to it, on the run-up to it, I've done probably about, I'd say, maximum seventy in a day, and my arms are absolutely killing me so i don't know if i'm going to survive but i start that tomorrow and i will be putting a charity on facebook posts coming soon to a facebook page known as everything everyone soon so by all means donate to that nice. if you want to to donate to my pain and it's for a good cause i suppose but i will see halfway into the month whether i stick it out but i hope i do <laughs> you also heard the dulcet tones of a guest who has come on here before actually so is a known name to the podcast it's chris mccarthy how are you Yes, thank you very much for for having me back. It's it's great to be back as we as we get ready for the season. Of course, it's it's getting closer now, isn't it? Now we've seen a car, yeah. We can definitely feel that the season is getting closer. And you know, for me in particular, feeder series, it is silly season. F one silly season happens in the summer for the feeder series. It, it happens in the winter. It happens now. So it's uh, trying to keep up to date with who who's going where in the support categories. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, the anticipation for the season is, I, I don't know, I, it, it's been, well, I, it's been really quiet. I've noticed that anyway. So it's been kind of like, it felt it's felt like it's dragged a lot more than it usually does. But actually, mm. it's starting earlier than it usually does. So it's kind of a conflict of, of my brain at the moment. I know mm. it's a shorter gap, but it's felt like it's lasted longer, if that makes sense. I, I, I don't mm. know. 
Yeah. I, I, did any of you guys watch Race of Champions? I mean, that was quite cool as well. I, I enjoyed that over the weekend. I did enjoy that, I have to say. Watching a car on fire going down the straight, <laughs> being put out and still winning, it was amazing. <laughs> I watched a bit of it. I didn't watch it all. I didn't watch it all. I kept abreast of the scores and the, and the, and the you know, who, who went where and whatnot. So that was that, uh, good to see. Yeah, no, it was uh, great. Uh, mm. uh, loved it. Good, good. Well, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com, where we post daily loads of articles, opinion pieces. Just just get on there, basically, and have a look. Have a, have a peruse through our latest articles. I'm sure you'll find something interesting to read. We would also love it if you were to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service so you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Obviously, we have great guests. We've got a great guest tonight chris mccarthy so thank you very much we've had previously previously over the last couple of weeks we've had mark blundell if you haven't heard that interview that was released last week go over to your to your service and, and listen to that one and of, of course just before christmas we had mario andretti and if you haven't listened to that one why not a legend and it was great to chat to but today we're going to talk about the news that's going on around the f1 world and then we're going to chat to chris about what he's up to this year in terms of commentating that sort of thing so It'd be very interesting to catch up with him. Coops, what news story would you like to talk about first today? Well, there's a few wee things that I noticed, but one of the ones that there's a couple that link in. Forbes magazine reports that Formula One commercial rights holder Liberty Media has a sports empire valued at 20.8 billion US dollars. Wow. Formula, yeah, with Formula One valued at 17.1 billion. Mm. Wowzers. Yeah. Now, to kind of put that into perspective, they bought Formula One in September 2016 for $8 billion. That's uh, a, f- a fair increase, isn't it? So they've done well, considering they had COVID for a couple of years and they had a bit of an issue. They had to, they had to do a bit of restructuring during those those years. And it mm. also links into the other thing with the... Mohammed Ben Salayan. Yeah, he mm. made the comment when the Saudi Arabian Investment Corp or Business or whatever it is... Group. Uh, group is able to see they they look to purchase Formula One for twenty billion, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of caused Liberty Media's lawyers to kind of put out a letter basically saying, "Look, know your place, Paul. It's not for you to talk about this." Uh, you know, uh, and it's 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 opened up. It's put in the public eye the issues that the FIE and Formula One as the commercial holders and Liberty Media seem to be butting heads over. Mm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so Formula One is valued at 70.1 billion. To put it again, to put it into perspective, they're ahead of the Pibonki Sports and Entertainment, who own Arsenal at 12.75 billion. Jerry Jones, who owns Dallas the Cowboys, it's 11.3 billion. And Fenway Sports, who owns Liverpool, among other things, at ten point four billion. So um, huge, huge. So it's, mm. it's they've they've done well to to get them to where they are. But again, the the article, as I say, is highlighting some of the issues that the FIA president is having at the moment. Yeah, sure. So we we actually released an article today on our website about it. I wanted to read the comments that Mohammed Ben Solayam had said in his tweets. As the custodians of motorsport, the FIA as a non-profit organisation is cautious about alleged inflated price tags of $20 billion being put on F1. Any potential buyer is advised to apply common sense, consider the greater good of the sport and come with a clear sustainable plan, not just a lot of money. 
It is our duty to consider what the future impact will be for promoters in terms of increased hosting fees and other commercial costs and any adverse impact that it could have on fans. Now, I think he's framed that quite clever because he's like oh you know i'm thinking about the fans but what he has done is basically just kind of rubbished the valuation in front of everyone around the world and obviously Mm -hmm. formula one have not seen that as a positive at all they've released their own statements in response to me chris i'll go to you do you think it's a a a really strange kind of position that he's putting himself in to, to kind of make statements about you know valuations when that's not really his place is it no, yeah, I, I, I do. It does surprise me that he's he's gone ahead and done that because, as we hear, you know, Formula One's in in such a good place at the moment, isn't it? You know, it's it's in a, a amazing position, that the best position it's been in for a long, long time. You know, the Drive Survive show did a, an amazing job with helping promote the sport and bringing new fans. We're getting record breaking attendances everywhere. We're getting new manufacturers that, that want to come in, manufacturers that maybe want to come back. Exciting yeah. partnerships that could happen between teams so the future of the sport is is incredibly incredibly bright i i don't think yeah you really want to go ahead and and put a evaluation on it when we're about to get going with a, a season and into a load of launches as, as well it seemed a strange time to, to do it not only do it but but also a strange time as well yeah absolutely the, the, i say the f1 and liberty media themselves put the statement out any individual or organization commenting on the value of a listed entity or its subsidiaries especially claiming or implying possession of inside knowledge while doing so risks causing substantial damage to shareholders and investors of that entity not to mention potential exposure to serious regulatory consequences to the degree that these comments damage the value of liberty media corporation the fia may be liable as a result oh <laughs> this is like a, oh, yeah. a several articles have commented how this is like a civil war between the you know liberty media and fi and it, it does sound that way doesn't it they're supposed to be working cohesively together but it certainly doesn't seem like a, a very cohesive friendship at the moment uh, no, I mean, I, I hope this is put to bed quite quickly for the season and we can move on and, and forget about it and get on with, with what's going to be a really exciting season. You know, over 20 races we've got coming up. We're going to Las Vegas, which is going to be incredibly exciting. And yeah, I, I really hope that this is this is put behind us because we, we, we don't really want someone like yeah, Mohammed Ben Sulayem going and and trying to put a, put a value on it when publicly as well. It doesn't really need to happen. No, absolutely. He just seems to be a bit controversial. And I think there were rumours circulating about the possible replacement of him, Coops. I think Liberty Media would be right in wanting to do that. Absolutely. Especially if he's saying these sorts of statements behind closed doors. But what do you think? Well, I mean, the biggest issue they have is they can't just remove him because they don't like him. Mm. You know, it's, it's an elected position for four years and it has to be proven that there was, for all intents and purposes, gross misconduct. Hmm for them to remove him. I don't think he's quite at that point. He's getting himself involved in things that he probably shouldn't have. But it's damaging the relationship. But I don't think it's it's damaged it to the point where you were, were at that. I think that's just an option. Hmm. I think Liberty Media being Liberty Media and Formula One is the commercial side of it, would be right to look at other things. They don't, they're not happy with them just now. And if it continues the way it's going then yeah, they would like to have, have a fallback. And it's, it's Dave Richards that's been touted as someone that Liberty Media would like to come in. And Dave Richards was, I mean, he's part of ProDrive, I think it is. It's Motorsport UK is involved in. 
Mm. He was part of VAR when they first came in on board. Yeah. Formula has been involved in Benetton as well. So he knows how it works. He knows the politics. He was involved in a lot of politicking around VAR and Villeneuve and all the other mm. people that were involved in that in their early days before they became Honda. Is he better than Ben Silliam? I'm not sure. Maybe. Well, maybe I he'd be know. more. He'd be more carrying the company line. Maybe. I think he would be more of an understanding of his role and the position. Mm. And because he's a Formula One man as well, he understands Formula One more because Ben Sillyam's history in racing is rallying rather than Formula One in a sense. So maybe there's a a naivety around how it works and the comments. Maybe he doesn't have somebody there to kind of rein him in a little bit. Just kind of say, look, I don't think you should be sending that. That's not really our Mm -hmm. role here, you know. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, I don't know. Mm. But he certainly hasn't garnered any favours. And the letter that, as you quoted earlier in that article, the letter that went, also went to the World Motorsport Council, mm. not just to the FIA. I mean, it was pretty to the point. The letter concluded with, we hope and trust that it will not be necessary to address this issue again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's language that he doesn't miss the point, really. Mm. So he's had a few issues. He came into his tenure. And one of the first things it seemed they wanted to start arguing about was Lewis Hamilton and flame retardant underwear and jewellery and you're kind of like, <laughs> you know, to the point where Lewis Hamilton turns up at a press conference wearing 14 watches and 75 <laughs> chains and every <laughs> yeah. ring and every finger, yeah. you know, it was getting pantomime kind of mm. pettiness and it just hasn't camped down. It's continued on and... Mm. Yeah, he's criticised the teams for opposing the Andretti bid and those sorts of things. So he's actively not making friends and, and definitely giving his opinion for the world to hear. So I don't know if that's going to be a positive. He doesn't seem to have a very political way of working. Now, behind closed doors, he can moan and complain, oh, those teams don't like Andretti, it'd be great to have them in the ground. But in mm. front of cameras and in public, you, mm. you you say what you say and list as many cliches as you can and just, you know, <laughs> let people work it out for themselves. Maybe mm. he hasn't been given the how to dodge a question training that a lot of people do have at those positions. Just don't think he ha- it's him. I just think he's quite forthright. Mm. And, you know, people could be forthright to a point, but there is some times where you kind of, you have to play the game. Mm. You know, there has been talk about Liberty Formula One and the teams breaking away. It would not be called Formula One because Formula One is owned by the FIA and that's the name is leased out for Formula One and Liberty Media to use it. Mm. So if they were to break away, they'd have to name it something different because the FIA owned that, the championship. Yeah, but, you know, when you start meddling to the point where the people that play the game are like, well, this is my ball and I'm going home now, you know, mm. you kind of have to go right. Maybe we, maybe we should talk mm. and chill out a bit. And he doesn't seem to be doing that. So I don't know what his issue is, to be honest. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what he wants out of it, is what my understanding. I just don't know mm. what he's what trying to achieve by saying these things. And But also, I mean, this is alleged as well. I'm going to say alleged. There's controversial comments that he's made historically on his own website that was archived. Now, part of me yeah. thinks, has somebody kind of dug this up because or dragged this up because of what he said and trying to just add more ammunition to to kind of getting rid of him of course they have we won't dwell yeah. on it too much though we won't Absolutely. dwell on it too much because it's you know we don't like to kind of go to too too low into the gutter but 
Yeah. He's, ma- he's made sexist, misogynistic comments in the past on his website. And then the FIA has, has come out and, and defended him, you know, pretty strongly, saying he's got a strong record on promoting women and equality in the sport, which is happy to be judged on. It was a central part of his man- manifesto and actions taken this year and the many years he's served as vice president for the sport to prove this. So we won't go into, into it too much, but those comments yeah. have been made or apparently been made and the FIA have come out and defended him. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an ugly business, isn't it? Sometimes F one. We've had a few things like that over the years. It's just something part and parcel of the sport, and it gives us a bit something to gossip about every now and again. I mean, the, the thing is, there's more eyes on it than ever, isn't it? And that's mm. I think that's one of the things that's maybe added to all this. And and that, I think that article that's a bit like you know when we see I'm a celebrity and we see things digged out about the contestants from 20 mm. years ago. I think it's, it's pretty much like that. Some 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 journalists like to go and go and look for a for a story you know when, when one isn't necessary mm. i think that's what's happened there maybe but i think it's because there's more eyes on it than ever and and who knows maybe that's just something he hasn't been used to in in previous roles who knows that that might be part of the case absolutely well let's move on from mohammed ben Soleim, who may or may not survive until the season starts as head mm. of the fia and let's talk about the Haas livery reveal that happened today now, first impressions, Chris. Were you happy to see a Haas car? Oh, I me. Mean, I, I think it's. I think it looks brilliant. First of all, I, I, I do like it. I'm a Newcastle supporter, so yeah, <laughs> black and white. I love it. I'm just having a look at it now on screen as well. I think the livery looks looks really smart. Actually, I think they've gone gone down a, a really nice road with it, and I think it was a great way to kick it off. You know, Haas became a kind of a fan favorite for for some of the new viewers to the sport over the last few years, and I, and I think they've got us underway really well there with that livery. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably one of the better liveries that, or I say liveries, one of the better liveries that they've had since Mm. joining the sport, actually. I know Coops is laughing at me for saying liveries because they corrected on me when when we first started the podcast, but I'm I'm saying it properly now, I think. Liveries. So, yeah, yeah, I I liked it. I think it looked really slick. I think it looks really smart. White cars tend to look nice, but they've put a lot more black on it. So it's more of a black car with white accents rather than a white car with black accents. If you haven't haven't seen it, fans, head over to the Hat Twitter or Instagram pages and, and there's an abundance of pictures there of available for you Mm. one thing that really annoys me at the moment and i know there's a couple of our team that think the same thing is we only get livery reveals at this point we don't get the car reveal now i can understand obviously wanting to keep things secret but it's just so frustrating you want to see an actual car with you know Mm. so you can kind of have a peek at what the changes they've made but they're not going to reveal that and i can understand why it just from a a fan's perspective i want to see yeah. the real thing yeah I, th- I think we all do don't we but until mm. we see those ca- cars out in bahrain pedaling around for for three days that's when we're i think that's when we're going to really know and you're, we're going to be able to of course they're going to be broadcasting those live i think as well all three days so we're going to be able to watch those and that's when we'll get an idea of of who who's made inroads in this second season with, with all these changes so that's what i'm excited for but what we do know is that has is, is going to look nice particularly in the night races i think that car's going to look really smart actually yeah absolutely and their new sponsor moneygram that means they can hit the budget cap which is something they were not previously able to do which means hopefully they've got a bit more money to develop that car and and be a bit more competitive with their two drivers, mm. Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin yeah. Magnussen, which is quite a strong lineup, I think, actually. Yeah, very strong. Yeah. Everyone, I think everyone's excited to see Nico back, aren't they? It's going to be amazing to see him back. 
Yeah. Will he be able to get that win, though? Yeah. The elusive win, I doubt it. Well, things things will have to go wrong elsewhere, I think. Yeah, we'll have to have rain or something like that. and uh... He'll have to gamble on some tyres, I think. Yeah, but yeah. You never know. Coops, what was your thought on the Haas? Yeah, I liked it. Always like a bit of black and white and red. I've got a soft spot from Newcastle for Chris. You know, I do like Newcastle. They're not far away from you, are they, being up in Scotland? <laughs> no, I did say to my son, who decided he's a Man City fan, and I nearly, oh. got, I nearly got him adopted. No. He started playing FIFA, and that's what he decided to go with. And he said, can we go to Man City? I went, no, but I'll take you to Newcastle. <laughs> I'd rather go to Newcastle than sit at a Man City stadium. But yeah, it's nice. I did have a look over all the liveries or libraries that we've <laughs> had over the last, I think it's eight now we've had. To be honest, I, I liked most of them. There was one where they were grey, which I forgot about, and I was like, ooh. Was that the first one? The grey and the white? Uh, and the... I think that was second or third season then, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think just after that, we had the rich energy, which... Which looks oh, it if you took nice. the rich energy thing out, yeah. it, it came back yeah. to the job player special thing and you're like, oh, yeah. like that, other than with his face causing all the issues. But yeah, it's nice. It's good to see. And it's it's nice that this year they're actually calling it a livery release because I think Red Bull were like, here's the car. And as soon as you saw the car, you went, no, it's not. No. And they tried. They kept trying to flog it as this is the new car and here's the pictures and everybody, even people that didn't know anything about the, te- the technical side of Formula One going, that's still the car. <laughs> so, you know... But Mercedes sh- did it as well. You know, they all yeah, but, they all do it at this point. because they, they. But I think the thing is this year, they're saying it's a livery release, whereas mm. like Red Bull should have called last year's launch a livery release and a discussion about their new title sponsor, but they didn't. They tried to sell it as if it was the release of the car, and you're like, <laughs> no... Did they need to do a livery release, though, Red Bull? Let's be honest. That that, that car hasn't yeah. changed in, what, 12 years? There's <laughs> not much you can change, is there? Yeah. yeah. They changed the font of something. I think one year they took they took off Renault and put Tag Heuer in the same bit, and that was it. Yeah. But they'll do a full launch in New York in a few mm. days' time. That's the next one that's coming up. Mm. It's nice because it gets that feeling that's the buzz now. You're like, we're February. You know, a few weeks' time, we're going to see them at Barry doing the testing. We're going to get to sit and watch them drive constantly. Not Nothing happening, just driving <laughs> and tweeting about it. Oh, it's driving again. And then be surprised by cars that you'd think are going to be fast or look fast like McLaren did and then as soon as they started racing. Was that not like the first test they were good and then the second test yeah. they were awful? And you they were, were topping like, the timesheets oh. in the first test and then yeah. obviously everyone was sandbagging because they were not there by the second test at all. <laughs> not yeah. at all. You know, and then we'll find out if this super warp engine they've got in the back of the Ferrari is actually real. Although Fred Vassar has said that isn't, but you know. Yeah. Is he tempering expectations, maybe? Well... We'll see. We'll see. I mean, by this time next week, I think, by the looks of it, we're going to have another three. We've got Red Bull on the third. We've got Williams, which is a livery release in the sixth. And mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo on the seventh. Alfa Romeo did release a, a just a sponsorship. That's a charity thing. Branded uh, livery today, which actually looks really nice. I'd be happy with that for for the season. It looked quite smart. It wouldn't it, work, though, because it's too... Too the, red. The spo- yeah, the sponsors would disappear into it, I think, mm. once I looked at it. It was nice, and I think it's part of it. It a charity thing to do with Steak. They've got a new title sponsorship in that, Steak.com mm. or whatever they're called. Uh, yeah, another Bitcoin. So, no, no, they're an online betting company, Steak. Oh, are they? Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I had to Google when I announced. I didn't know who they were. I think they bet with NFTs and, and all that sort of thing, I think. But I, I read somewhere. I might be completely wrong. Yeah, you've completely lost me. Well, what was that again? <laughs> <laughs> NFT? It what? doesn't matter. Yeah, well, yeah. What I think that they've got some kind of link to digital currency, basically. But okay. we'll, I'm sure we'll find out. Okay, well, yeah, delivery reveal was good. Good to see a car. The mm. excitement is building. We're getting closer mm. and closer. So it, it's it's a really nice time of the year to be able to kind of sit and talk about F1. Chris, have you seen anything you want to bring up? Not in terms of news articles. I guess they, they were some some great ones there. The, the main one for me was obviously the livery reveal, but I guess it's building up to building up to the season, isn't it? It's, you know, it's, it's just really great now to know that it's it's only around the corner. And obviously for, for me myself, it's following what's happening just below, which drivers were, were staying, which uh, drivers were going into reserve roles. So mm. that's been really interesting to follow uh, as well. Yeah, 33 days till race day as we sit and record this today. So that's a, a Max Verstappen amount of days until the first race <laughs> of the season. Nice. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Audi. Let's talk about Audi. And it's it's just being confirmed today that they've purchased a minority stake in Sauber, which we knew about. You know, it was, it was you know, released a couple of weeks back that they were going to do that. But it's today's been confirmed that Audi are well, officially... Well, it was yesterday they bought it. Right. They confirmed it, but in October. So they announced they were coming into Formula 1 in August. They said they hadn't picked a partner yet, but everybody knew it was Sauber. Because mm. mm. I think straight after... Audi announced they were coming in after the meal went, well, we're leaving. And everyone went, <laughs> two and okay. two together, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a bit yeah. kind of petulant from Alfa Romeo going, well, we're away then. And you're like, oh, come on, lads. <laughs> and then October, they announced Salber. And I think it was the October release, they said that they will be going ahead with a minority purchase of Salber. And it was to be concluded by January. So everything's not, and there's no hitches. Yeah, and basically everything's going the way it's supposed to go. I think what we'll see is, at the end of this year is the end of the Alfa Romeo kind of glorified sponsorship deal because Alfa Romeo done nothing but rename the Salva and yeah. slap their badge on the side of the car. It wasn't like they got any kind of technical help or anything from that thing. Uh, and I think it'll probably return back to Salva till 2026 because mm. uh, they're not changing their engine supplier or power unit supplier, I should say, which is Ferrari. So. No. I'm not sure Ferrari would be too happy with having the German manufacturer slapped over something that's covered <laughs> by them. Uh, no. So, no. So, yeah, and also Salber brought in in the silly season to tie up with that. They brought in Andrew as the CEO. He's not the team principal. And now, they're not having a team principal either. They're not. This, is, this worries me because any time you see a team that come up with a non-conventional structure, it doesn't usually work. I, but you mm-hmm. say that, but Mercedes initially, when they first came in, they it had that like whole trio of Nicky Lauda, Toto Wolff, and you Ross know Braun. Ross Braun. So they had like, and, a... that, and that didn't work. So Ross Braun, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so look yes. at look at Alpine. They 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 had a structure that had Rossi, and they had somebody else, and they had like it was a three pronged attack, and they all that's not worked. They've now brought in. It's, it's they've got is it Omar staff now from last year? They brought him in last year. Yeah. Andrea Seidel came into McLaren and come, McLaren was trying to deal with the fallout from Honda. Mm. He'd done a really good job. So it's not to say he's obviously come into Salber and decided we're going to try this or we're going to do it this way. Mm. So they've got a team 
representative. He'll be on the pit wall, he'll do stuff, but instead of him being above people, he's going to be alongside two other people, I think. It's going to work that way. So he's just he's basically going to deal with the press and kind of, oh, yeah, we, we did this because we did, of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. So Andrew Seidel had had spoke with Zach Brown and basically said, and when my contract finishes 2025, I'm off. Mm. Zach Brown went, not a bother, that's fine, cool. And now they were probably like, Andres, German, we know you. Because yeah. uh, he, <laughs> yeah. well, he worked with Porsche under the uh, LMP1 project that they did a few years right. back, I think. Volkswagen Group knew him. Then when Venato was sacked, Fred Vasseur was brought over from Alfa Romeo, accelerated the process. They went to McLaren and went, Zach, any chance? Yeah. Zach was obviously quite happy to let it happen. Zach Brown comes across as someone who doesn't ruin relationships. He doesn't cut his nose off to spite his face. Like, mm. look at the Carlos side situation with Ferrari. He was like, do you know what? On you go. It's Ferrari. Fine. We're not going to treat you any different. We get it. Yeah. You know, mm. well, that was how he came across outwardly anyway. Yeah, and I believe that of him actually. I believe, you know, I yeah. believe he's that kind of guy. What's the point in holding someone back? I think he said when their heart's somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. so I and can I can see that. And it's the opportunities for Andres. He's come in. He's done a great job with McLaren. They were at the very back of the grid by quite a margin. He's he was brought in. He's reassessed that they've done what they've needed to do, and now look where they are. Yeah, okay, last year wasn't great for them, and then I think obviously. Part of the reason that Zach's probably been quite happy to let Andreas go and allow things to move on is more to do with the fact he knows who he's got in the racing division because mm. they hired they hired Andrea Stella and he seems to be a very well respected person. He's worked in Ferrari, he's worked along a lot of the people in the Formula One grid. So Audi's moving in the right direction. They're hiring the right people. I think they've already hired around two hundred staff for the Formula One project with a plan wow. to bring in. Wow. Is that for the engine? Yeah, it's basically that's just how they're upscaling. The new factory will be open in twenty twenty four, but it will be ready to a point this March for like the technology side of it and certain parts of it. It's going to have engine bays, and I think their plan is to have a mule car with the first engine ready by twenty twenty five. Oh wow! And you know they're looking to bring in about round about three hundred people by next year. By this year, wow. middle of 2023. So they're mean business. They're yeah. going. They want to rival the top teams. They don't want to come in. But we hear mm. this every time a new team comes in. You know, oh, we're going to be competitive within two years. And you're like, mm, are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they said that. The mm. guy came out and said they want to be very, they want to be very competitive within the first three years. And of course, everybody's like, oh, please don't. <laughs> Famous last words. VAR's head man at the time, I can't remember his name, made a comment about he wanted to be running races in his first year. They didn't even get a point. You think they would look back, but you know they're doing all the right things. They're hiring the right people. You know, it'll be interesting because there's quite a few drivers that look like they're going to be in a free agent around to 2025, end yeah. of 25. So that'll be interesting who they want to bring in. Mm. Rumour has it, Lando Norris might be the one that they'll be looking at because his contract finishes in 2025. He's worked with Andreas oh, yeah. Seidel. He'll mm. be a really solid competitor as long as he doesn't, mm. you know, make a bat an arse of his career over the next couple of years. So that could yeah. be interesting. Another news story I saw was the potential for... Ford uh, to come in as an engine supplier. Now, this is only, again, this is only, only rumblings from a comment that one of their CEOs or, or whatever, some somebody high up in the t- in the in the in the company said, we're not ruling out 
the return to Formula One wow. in the future. Th- that's that's it. That's literally the basis of the whole rumor. <laughs> so it's it's not a massive comment. There's no basis, no other basis to kind of, you know, that, that they've not approached F1 or anything like that. But they're not ruling out in the future, mm. which would be great to see. You know, it's quite clear, like we were saying at the start when when we were talking about the Ben Soleim situation, the Mohammed Ben Ben Soleim situation. One, he's in a superb position. You've got teams, yeah. we've got manufacturers, you know, engine suppliers, all kind of clamoring or at least showing their intent to want to join the sport so it's it's you know fantastic for for the sport to hear that oh, really yeah absolutely i mean the, the fact that we've got you know i mean i know you have to plan that far in advance really if you're going to take it seriously but the fact audi are already putting all this planning in to try and be competitive in 2026 and i'm sure they're already looking as coop said that i'm sure they're already got their eye on not only drivers within the sport but drivers coming up through the ranks as well maybe mm-hmm. driver that might be in formula two at the moment that they could see a, a nice path to, to them getting a, a couple of years under their belt and then and then going on but how exciting is that going to be you know given how well and successful Audi did in 24-hour in the World Endurance Championship to to see them coming in. They're they're not going to be there to make up the numbers, are they? They're they're going to want to be there to to, to win. And Ford, you know, such a a massive name within the sport in that same category. Yeah, to to see them entering. It just shows that there's not, we're not quite having manufacturers fight to get in, but it's not far away from that, is it? (laughs) it, It's absolutely fantastic for for the sport to, to have that. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Another thing about the Ford interest, it could be that they're pushed through because the Cadillac need be General Motors because that's a main mm. competitor of them. So if they see, you know, Cadillac sitting there on the grid with Andretti, if that comes to fruition. Mm. Right, yeah, that's a good point. They want a piece of that pie. The power units are going to be more simplified and easy to design and, you know, manufacture and the cost cap with both manufacturer and the team. You're not throwing billions of dollars anymore. Mm. You're not going to do a Toyota and spend. I think I think somebody I read an article a few years back that said Toyota spent about a billion dollars. Never won a race. Manufacturers just don't want to do that anymore. So I think there's a lot of manufacturers that will just be quietly looking at how the state of play over the next couple of years. Mm. It's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of a big company like uh, that. Yeah, you know, in the Mm. the motorsport industry and. If it's booming the way it's booming and you're getting so many, you're getting three races in America and you're racing down the strip during the Thanksgiving mm. weekend. Yeah. Do Ford and General Motors want a piece of that pie? Of course they do. Of course, of yeah. Of course they do. And this is a yeah. headline that I saw, but I didn't read the article. Red Bull are expected to partner with Ford. Wow. That's what the rumour is that's circulating. Because obviously the failed Porsche bid that was that was there recently. Yeah. Uh, obviously there was that the whole... Makes... But mm. uh, yeah, imagine Red Bull with Ford. That would be exciting. Ford, uh, Ford have already a partnership with Red Bull because the Ford's logo, Red Bull, are sponsored in the WRC cars. But I caught yes. to this as well. Yes, they, ah, yes. They, so, they are, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. There's a direct so link. So there's yeah. a link there. There's a conversation to be had. So Yeah, on the M-Sport cars, yeah. Yeah, so as long as they can work out a way where it's not Porsche coming in and going, we're taking it all and going to run it our way in Red Bull, which is basically what happened with Porsche getting shown the door. Yeah, yeah. If they mm. could come up with a partnership that's mutually beneficial. And of course, we don't know how 
Formula uh, how Red Bull's going to run now. Dietrich Mateschitz is not about. It. I mean, he's the champion. It's his. It was his baby. He's not around anymore. Other people are running it. I think it was clear that he wanted it to stay and remain though as Red Bull, and he was, you know, for for the foreseeable that the 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 idea was that it would stay as an F one team for you know for good really. It probably hmm. will, but you know the thing is you just don't know. But the thing is, like with Red Bull, I think for the sponsorship deals that makes its money. On that, I think the Oracle deal was massive, mm. which was about two thirds to a half at least. And then you've got that cryptocurrency thing, but we don't know about them because they're all to be dying. Yeah, but... <laughs> or buy bit. I don't know how to say it. I can see, I see the I see the logo, but I don't know what they're called. How to say mm. it? But you know, they. I think when I read it last year, the the first thing I thought of when I saw those two deals, I'm like. Uh, they've hit the cost cap, and they still overspend because they bought too many. <laughs> they, they, they bought too many sandwiches for their corporate dinners. That's it. With lots of big sponsors, you got lots of mouths to feed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Certainly, an interesting few years for Formula One and manufacturers, and you know, if the growth is going to keep going, which doesn't look like it's going to mm. stop anytime soon. We've got a lot of countries looking to come in and take the pie and get a race and looking healthy for a number of years at least. I was going to say, come 2026 or so, the, the livery reveals might be, or the livery reveals might be more exciting <laughs> more exciting than ever, right? Because we, we don't know what the grid's going to look like by then. It's going to... Oh, it, it, be brilliant. Yeah. So that's going to be, that's going to be, it's an amazing time for the sport. Not to not know who's going to be going where that i don't i can't really remember a time where the, the sport's been in a position like this so mm. yeah it's exciting to have all these rumors kicking around and i hope they continue indeed right let's move on because i, I realize i think that's pretty much all the news stories that have dropped anyway and anything that's interesting that to speak about anyway we've, we've touched upon let's speak to our guest chris obviously it's been a few months since you've been with us what have you been up to yeah, I mean, it's been uh, obviously finishing up with with last season. It, it was a, a fantastic, fantastic year. And then I did the Le Mans Virtual Series, which ran through September until January as well, which was which was good fun working with the likes of Martin Haven, who people will know if they watch the World Endurance Championship. And we had Alex Brundle join us for the twenty four hour race, which was which was good fun as well. But yeah, that it was it was great to be a part of of that and to do something just to to keep keep fresh really yeah what's it like to commentate on a virtual race as opposed to a kind of real race it's well i guess you don't have any failures going on you know <laughs> like uh, and i mean that like everything it's actually easier in, in a way because of of the the amount of graphics that are available to you and available to you by the second mm. and the the team in the gallery who are controlling the broadcast can give you any camera angle you want they can put the camera above the car you can go wow. inside you can do whatever and they don't have to go out on the circuit and put all these cameras out they can go wherever they want whenever and we don't miss anything basically if there's a crash then we would have seen it so that's the the best thing about being able to to commentate on it definitely and it, it did have a little bit of controversy. We may as well talk about it while we're here because uh, Max yeah. Verstappen has been very vocal about connectivity issues and the fact that he's, his yeah. race was ruined by that, basically. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was a real shame, wasn't it, yeah. for that to happen. I felt sorry for for all the teams that were affected by issues. That's the only downside to to, to esports. I, mean, I know there was a lot of people who were against the, the platform itself on that. There was a lot of criticism on, on that. But uh, yeah, I feel sorry for anyone who got affected by that. It's kind of like, 
like your car packing up on you going down the straight, isn't it really? Mm. So a real shame because Max's team in particular were in the lead of the race when they, they started hitting some issues and uh, how great it would have been. I know for a lot of the F1 fans tuning in to, to see Max win the 24-hour Le Mans, albeit virtually, but, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a real shame. And you can understand his frustration, you know, because they do train for these things. They spend oh, a- yeah. ages in in the simulators doing, you know, practice runs just to try and make yeah. sure they, they they take it really seriously. Yeah, he was, I mean, he's just put one in his private jet, hasn't he? He's just put, <laughs> a, he's put a very, uh, he, I mean, he, so he runs that team. Team Redline is his, he, he kind of backs the whole team now, mm. which is one of the best teams in the sport. And he does take it incredibly seriously. We have chat, you know, the, the Discord chat groups and he's constantly active in those and if we had a race that was just after an f1 race he would get his rig out to say you know spa and he'd jump in the rig the next day and be practicing wow. he spent he spent many hours practicing for that overall they practiced from around august to to january for that race so it was you know, they put a hell of a lot of time in and there yeah. was a lot of drivers not just max a lot of professional drivers who put the same amount of effort in yeah so Completely understandable that something completely out of his control ruining his race. So, <sighs> Never mind, yeah. Dave. Never yeah, mind. Bit of a shame. Yeah. So, what else are you going to be doing this year? Then you get your commentating on F three. Uh, more of the same. Yeah, very pleased to say. So, yeah, back back working with the guys at, at, at Formula One, which is I'm really excited about. So, I'm going to be back doing some Formula Three races again, which is going to be yeah, it's going to be fantastic. That was a, a real dream come true to, to get the call up to do that last year. I got to do three rounds of F3 last year and and a round of F2 at Silverstone, which was amazing. Uh, mm. But yeah, this year I'm, I'm going to be doing a few rounds of the F3 Championship, which yeah, which I, I, I can't wait for. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. And I, I'm, I'm there for the season open at Bahrain as well. So really looking forward to that. Oh, nice. Do you, do you know how many races and where you're going to be? I'm I'm doing half the season overall. Right. Uh, okay. I'll be doing Bahrain, Silverstone, Barcelona, and the last one, Spa. So some some really cool ones in there. Yeah, Silverstone yeah. in particular, Spa was some, an amazing race last year. I could be mm. one of the races of the season. And Bahrain, I think it's always always great to see the drivers out there for the first round when they charge down to turn one thirty on the grid. Yeah, <laughs> it, it kicks off, <laughs> particularly in the sprint race because obviously it's a slightly reversed grid for that one. Mm. Yeah, how do you how do you keep up with everything? Because I know myself, my mouth is too quick for my brain so i end up stumbling over my words how how, <laughs> how have you kind of trained yourself to 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 not not get get carried away with yourself and stutter through things is that just a natural ability that you've done uh, i, I to, to be honest i don't really know the answer to that question i used to <laughs> when i started i i commentated on kart racing that's what i started on and that moves very quickly you know it's 36 on the grid in a race and there are overtakes at every single corner and all the guys you watch in f1 f2 or f3 started in uh, racing in these categories so i did the fia championships in 2018 and pretty much that grid is now in f2 or f3 a a lot of those kids so yeah always overtakes all all the time and so yeah (laughs) to keep up with it they're very fast paced races they're only sort of 12 15 lap races Mm. uh so sending it is is what the drivers tend to do every lap and i think that that helped when I did eventually step up to do single seaters and, and GT stuff. 
when the, the races move a little bit slower compared mm. to that, that that really did help me be able to to spot drivers within a pack because in carts it's a little bit harder to to pick a driver out. You're you're kind of going off their gloves or the way they they sit in the seat. Some are tall, some are short. Some hold the steering wheel up there, some hold it down there, and then yeah. that's the only way you can tell them apart sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But as you say, you, you, you've kind of seen these guys go through carts and now into to F3. So yeah. the, na- the names are probably pretty good in your head, to be fair. So that yeah. makes it easier, I guess. Yeah, I mean, one in particular, Zach O'Sullivan, the first time I ever commentated in France, he was there as a, I think he was only 10 years old and he won, he won the race by 60 seconds in the wet. I don't know why this championship, you'll find this you'll find this hilarious but all the all the other categories could put wet tires on except for the the youngest drivers out there the cadets had to go out in the wet on slick tires wow i, I know i don't know i don't know whose idea that was uh, but zach but zach absolutely blitzed it and i went and spoke to to his parents after to, to meet him and yeah it was quite funny then that last year in f3 he put slick tires on in the wet at Hungary and came through to finish fourth place. So, yeah, that definitely brought back some memories. Yeah, well, you hear stories about that. You know, the, the whole... I don't know if it's just an anecdote that Lewis Hamilton says, oh, we couldn't afford slick wet tires, so we always had slicks on our car. You know, you hear it from the the bigger names. <laughs> yeah. They've always got an anecdote about that. Oh, yeah. A lot of the drivers, if it rains, are told, stay out there. Don't come in for if you're in a practice session. Just stay out there and get used to it because it will happen in a race eventually. So that's what a lot of the, well, a few of the drivers tend to do to do that. And those that do, when it does happen, are, are prepared for it. Are you going to make any kind of predictions for F3 this year? Or is it just, is it one of those sports that's just ridiculously difficult to to kind of predict? Because there's 30 drivers. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the entry list now, I mean, Dino Viganovic obviously won Formula Regional, which I commentated on last year as well. The the well, Frecker, as it's known for short. And he did a superb job doing that. He was the first Swedish single-seater champion in a feeder series since 2015. So I think he's being tipped as arguably the favorite for it he's currently racing out in the middle east and he's doing a really good job out there but zach o'sullivan has moved to prema and i think for british fans he will be that's the top team to race for so i think he'll be he'll be definitely a dark horse for the title as well but yeah there's so many so many good names in there it really is hard to pick one out i mean another that could be one to watch is perhaps the likes of franco colapinto as well who's assigned with williams so he's always been a superb driver so yeah i could go on i could go on forever there's there's a lot of drivers coming up from frecker which i did last year as well Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see them all back together racing each other again any particular young driver that you really really are hoping to do well or is there any driver in the sports series that you think that this coming season's kind of make or break for them? There's a, a lot of nice kids out there. I mean, that I get on with most of them really well. One one, one driver I've always been a, a fan of, I guess, is Gabriel Bortoletto, a Brazilian driver who's going to be racing for the Trident team in F3 this year. And I think, yeah, really great driver. Another Zane Maloney in Formula mm. 2, the boy mm-hmm. from Barbados, as he's known. And one thing about him is he, during COVID, he actually had to travel by, around by himself. His parents were not allowed to to, to leave Barbados to, to go and watch any races with him. Wow. So most of the times he'd have to fly to the UK and then fly to Barbados. And I'd see see him in the airport most after most races, you know, carrying his trophy. And I found that quite <laughs> 
quite quite amazing really that a kid at 16 17 years old was was able to go through the highs and the lows of a season but by himself really I, I thought that was yeah that was yeah, really, really cool for for him to be able to to do that. He obviously had a driver coach with him called Robbie Kerr, who you might might have heard of. He mm-hmm. raced in A one GP series. Yeah, who I think he still works with him now. But but still, to, to not have your parents by your side and, and do so yeah, well, sixteen, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's that's a driver. I think Zane Maloney is one that a lot of people want to do well, and he's grown a motorsport fan base mm-hmm. in Barbados that never existed before. So so definitely. I wonder who washed his pants, you know, because like, when I was 16, I couldn't even wash my underwear. You know, I couldn't wash anything. Yeah. So, yeah. So these, no idea. These... <laughs> no idea. That's the next question you've got to ask him. Who washed your pants during COVID? I don't think, I don't think asking a 16-year-old who washed their pants is a very good question to be asking. Yeah. Yeah. In the, I think I'll be taken out the airport, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think maybe we should be asking who 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 washed your driver overalls? Maybe, yeah, that's it. Maybe that's we'll, better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of a season who could it be a season of break for Jay Anderuvula the Indian driver in Formula 2 back for his fourth season now he's been dropped by Red Bull yes um, and he is actually a reserve driver for Mahindra Racing so it's likely that he's kind of waiting for a seat to open up at, in Formula E obviously they're mm-hmm. having a really difficult season for those of you who haven't been following it they've had a, a bit of a disastrous start to the year Mahindra yep. and they're mm-hmm. about to go into their home race he's been with them trackside but it's his fourth season he's with MP Motorsport who won the championship last year with Felipe Drogovic so if he doesn't do well then it's likely that F1 will be off the cards sadly for Indian racing fans and he'll have to step step over to Formula E yeah, well, we had Dehan Derivola on the podcast, actually. He's a nice guy. It's a shame, but yeah. like like you say, I just, yeah, make or break. He's been there for a, a long time now. So, he, yeah, he's... I mean, to be honest, he did really well last year. I think yeah, he got he seven, seven podiums, mm. but only one win. And it was that that made the difference. I think, I think Felipe or Teo even got. I think he got more podiums than Teo Porsche, perhaps, or just just as many. Mm. But but Porsche got got more wins, and that's what made the difference between the two of them, really. So so yeah, if he can change that, then he'll go on and have a really good season, and might get what Felipe didn't get into a reserve role. So are you going to be doing any Frecker as well this year? Are you doing more of that, more of the same? Yeah, it's looking like that's going to be the case back with Frecker, which will be an amazing. Amazing year, I'm sure. We're not going to Monaco, but we are going to Hockenheim. And it looks like I'm going to be back doing the 24-hour Le Mans as well, which I am hugely excited for. I mean, I became, I did the English commentary last year for the first time for the spectators track side. Obviously, I think we had 240,000 there last year, but as as you might have read the reports that came out of Daytona, it's going to be a sellout of 300,000 this year. So, so yeah gonna not have to trip over my words when, <laughs> when, when we go green there definitely it's gonna be a, but it's gonna be an amazing week do you study driver names and helmets and stuff like that for obviously well with, i suppose with 24 hour demand it's not necessarily helmets because you can't really see them but yeah you know if it's a series that you don't normally commentate on how, how much preparation do you have to do how much kind of revision one thing is going around to uh, i'll show you something actually one thing is going around to make find out how you say drivers names uh, saying uh, I yeah. from, something i learned from my karting days because i i said a kid's name wrong for two years and his mum <laughs> collared me <laughs> and um, and that wasn't great but I make uh, I make these I make spotters guides if I don't get given them. Uh, oh wow! So, so yeah, so and I stick those on the window or on the wall next to me, and then that's 
when when there's an incident you're able to to pick up who's who's who basically but yeah make make sure you know how to say people try, try and say people's names correctly yeah and you just, don't yeah, offend them <laughs> and just watch a lot of practice and 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 yeah and uh, a lot of studying as well, particularly for Le Mans, but for F3, I've already started for, for this season. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot you have to to try and take in. And are you flying out to the races that you're covering or are you covering them from the UK? No, we cover them from the UK. Right. So from, from Biggin Hill, which, you know, it's an amazing setup they have there. And I was pretty blown away when I first went in, I have to say. So I'm very excited for it. Will you be going as a fan to any races this year? no not at the moment i did try and get tickets for vegas i wanted to take my dad there but but yeah it was just a little bit too too expensive on the, on you the did, tickets you didn't want to remortgage your house for a ticket no no i mean <laughs> two, two and a half thousand i i, I saw and I, I yeah so as along with i think i think the hotels were up by about 70 percent. so i right. mean yeah fair play to anyone that's able to to get out there because it was yeah for, for me it was sadly this year it was a bit too much but maybe one day yeah, yeah, you, you just need to get on to Formula One next, and then they'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll be out there anyway, so... Fingers crossed. Fingers they'll come crossed. knocking, I'm sure. They'll come knocking. <laughs> Fingers Cro- crossed. Croft, Crofty's got to retire at some point, hasn't he? Or even, <laughs> even you know, after F1 TV, because they don't... Well, they know they have, they have Crofty, don't they, and Martin Brundle. Yeah. You know. Well, well they'll get, they've got two spaces open with the rest are here, but not there anymore, so, you know... <laughs> They're not filling those spaces, are they? That, that's uh, for... No, yeah. I, saw, yeah. I saw the list. The list actually online of the amount of people that cover that, like just presenters, I'm like, no yeah. wonder they canned a couple because the list is yeah. pretty I, extensive. Yeah, it's, you've got to remember the amount of races there are. Um, yeah. that, that plays a big part in it. These guys being able to get out to all the races is, you know, even just the, the, the flying out and flying to and from a race obviously takes quite a bit out of you doesn't it along with yeah. doing the four days that you do there i'm making it all sound so so hard when you're going to an f1 race but, yeah. but yeah but obviously you know these guys are, are, are obviously have other stuff going on as well so they can't all make it to all the races and and i think you need to freshen up the broadcast don't you i think that's what sky sports f1 do there particularly with who you're seeing on camera so get some different points of view and having yeah. the same ones you're just going to hear the same opinions all the time i think it's quite good that they have multiple opinions coming in throughout the season yeah i'm i'm actually disappointed in the la- in the loss of johnny herbert and director actually but because I, I quite liked them yeah um, yeah likewise but- but you know they, they obviously have their their own reasons for not renewing their own their contracts or whatever. But it's a shame. It's a shame. Never mind. I don't know. I don't know what else to ask you now, Chris. Well, I think we we've covered all the bases. One, one thing I want to ask is I noticed recently Jack Aitken has he's decided to his partnership with Williams to focus on sports cars. Mm. I don't know if you saw. Just wondering. I, d- I didn't actually see yeah. that, but, uh, but he, that's it. Yeah, he had a he had a partnership last year. It was mostly simulator work he worked on, but he came out this year and said that he's ended his partnership because he's just too busy. Right, and he's just he's just staying on with his sports car stuff. Uh, I think he's got a okay. season coming up. I can't remember who it's with. Actually, I wrote an article, but I can't remember. I was just you're for, you're forgiven for forgetting. Don't worry. Yeah, he's yeah. doing. A, I think it's like a four car. It's like a twelve hour race. He's in America or something. He's part of the the third driver with a couple of experienced sports cars. But he's finally mm. decided that Formula One isn't going to work for him when he's moved over. Which at least he he got a race, which is more than a lot of people. Well, exactly. Uh, he has had a race. He can say officially. I was at least a Formula One driver. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's interesting that he's realised it quite quick. You know, you get some that just seem to hang on a lot longer probably than they should have for that Formula One spot. And it's like he's kind of thought, you know what, it's probably not happening because if it would have happened, it would have happened by now. Yeah, but then you've got... So, it's a rare case, but Nick DeVries, he's, you know, 27-year-old, yeah, he he's been... He was, Hanging around yeah, but he went away. He went away yeah. and won a championship and other stuff, and he came back. So maybe he's doing the the freeze early years. Like mm. I'm going to get myself a reputation somewhere else, and you know something might happen. I think he's seen the the opportunity in sports car racing that exists. Which if you can get yourself, yeah, I mean it's as much as F1 is exploding, sports car racing, endurance racing is exploding as well, isn't it? All the manufacturers coming back. The Daytona 24 Hour was amazing mm. at the weekend. If I'm sure most fans saw the end of the race in LMP3, it mm. went literally to the wire, didn't it? I know some of that was down to safety cars and what have you, but but still an amazing race. But I think what he's seen is if you can get yourself tied in with a, a big manufacturer, then there's a lot of money to be made, and not just that, but a, a great championship to be a part of as well, which travels all around the world and is going to have 300,000 people at the 24 hour race. So, so yeah, I think that's probably what he's, he's seen. And I think, like you said, he's, he's had his one race, isn't he? And he can tick that off now and, and move on happily. Absolutely. Maybe not, maybe not as happily as he, he might've been, but you, you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are, there are quite a few drivers that have just had one race or two races, you know, back in history. So Unfortunately, he's part of that list, but at least he has driven in a Formula One car. Exactly. And before we go on, like just looking at the World Endurance Championship, that Ferrari just looks gorgeous, doesn't it? It does. It looks. It's, it looks oh, amazing. Now, it looks amazing. Can't wait to be seeing that flying around Le Mans. It's going to be pretty. Yeah, it's going oh, to be really amazing. Jensen Button is going to join a NASCAR yes. team for for the Le Mans as well. So that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, so Jim, was it Jimmy Johnson and Mike Rockefeller, aren't they? The two other drivers. So Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's Mike, a decent lineup. Yeah, yeah really good. So Mike's a two-time winner, isn't he? And Jimmy Johnson, as we know, is a seven-time NASCAR champion, isn't he? Who raced IndyCar the last couple of years now. That's going to be... I mean, as you... As Coop said, that is a hell, hell of a lineup, mm. and uh, it's going to be amazing to see that car flying around. So uh, he was talking about it at Daytona at the weekend, and he just sounds super excited to to be going back and and racing in it. So I can't wait to to see that car going around. Yeah, definitely. Lots of interesting things in motors in the motorsport world to kind of watch this year. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a good time to be a fan of you know cars going around in circles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Okay, well, I do think that's probably all we need to chat about today. Thank you very much for coming to chat to us, uh, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure for us as well. If it would again, love to have you on later on in the year for a race review, maybe one of the weekends oh. after your F two race or something like that as well. Which absolutely we can kind of yeah. chill out about F three. Sorry, F three yeah. race. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it right. Absolutely. And thanks, Coops, for chatting to us and being on the podcast for the first time in a couple of weeks. Anytime, not to bother. We are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, we would love it if you'd hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. And please also give us a five-star review, will you? That'll be good. Thanks. We'll see you next week where we speak to Ed Straw about, I'm sure, lots of livery releases that are going to come over 
the next couple of weeks. Or library releases. Or libraries, <laughs> as I yeah. used to say. I've been corrected. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we are the Everything Everyone podcast. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.